the legend that is Clive Smith is on breakfast. And Clive, I don't, I really don't say this to all my guests, <laughs> to be honest. I'm always uh, honoured and privileged to have you on a radio with me. So welcome. And thank you very much. <laughs> and you know what? Go on. Every time I listen to this station, yeah. and just to come here, I felt at home. And do you know why? Why? The Bristolian accent. <laughs> do you know, I'm hearing it and it's like, you know, you, from day one, that Bristolian yeah. accent is brilliant. I love it. You feel at home. You should, have heard, you should have heard the lads last night on the sports bar. It was so funny. They were talking about, yeah, well, go at Tottenham, right? And, and, they're like, and they were talking about national football, but they were talking in Bristol accents, Our which kid. is nice. And that's what it's about, isn't it? Exactly. I guess. For those that don't know you, Clive, oh, this is a difficult one, but just tell us a little bit about you for those that people will do. I know that name, Smithy, Clive, you know, Clive Smith. As oh it is TV, gosh. people will have watched bits and pieces of yours, but Before I'm not that. saying that you go back, back to try and make you old, but, but come on, I'm you're, 60. you're, wow. <laughs> you're, you're part of our furniture. You're part of our, uh, when it comes to media and, and, and kind of innovation in our city, Many people don't like to admit it because they've all kind of like climbed over you and tried to climb on top of you and <laughs> used your talents and stuff. But actually, uh, you've been there from a long time ago, haven't you, doing stuff? Very long time. Um, from, well, from the age of six. Yeah. Because I came here in 1962 with my parents. So from six, I've been playing music in the church. My father started the New Testament Church of God, you know, Pentecostal. So through that yeah. and moving around with him, selling chicken and cow foot to all the West Indian community yeah. throughout the West Country. Yeah. That made me popular anyway amongst the elders yeah. as a young child. And then from there... Were you a charming young the, child, Clive? Um, I think so. <laughs> I think so because... Um, the elders like charming and very polite uh, young people. Well, I've still... Do you know, funny enough, I've still got that kind of... Um, that relationship with a lot of the, el the elders, when they yeah. see me, they call me my dad's name or Mrs. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you're just like your father. Yeah. You're just but like that's this. A you know? But it's a very Caribbean thing as well to call you by, 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 by your father's yeah. name as well. Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. Smith, not Smith. Mrs. Yeah. Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, so from that, and then playing football and dancing and, you know, all these things and, you know, teaching, arts opportunity theatre. So it's just been my life within within the community and just yeah. that's what comes out of it if you had to write your a, para, a, a line about you and your football abilities what would you what would you write my football <laughs> they used to call me Pele <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't need to say any more than that do you really and for, for, for at that time yeah for young black men in, in Britain in Bristol in England yeah you know at that time at my age for like 13 12 13 playing at Bristol Rovers as a youth yeah that was new so yeah. you're a household name for just other people who was into football mm. and then dancing as well because it, it's you know it's we're going up the ladder now, you yeah. know, and it's we're the first ones who were breaking, mm. breaking down those doors, if I would put it that way, mm. you know, breaking down those doors. At what stage did you kind of, were you really conscious of, you've done all this stuff, but were you conscious of the fact that um, media and telling, <laughs> telling your story is important? Yes. Where I was involved with Arts Opportunity Theatre as the music director and dance and all them things, that ended because that was just after the riots that ended yeah. and then um many of the people who was involved the youngsters who was involved it was just like a bombshell yeah. what was there for them to do 
And we also, myself also fell into that category. Even though me and my brother, we had a, our own recording studio. We had all these things. Yeah. So we ended up started recording a lot of the, the musician, the, the artists in the community doing all these kind of things. Then we ended up creating a radio station, putting on shows for young people, putting on shows for the community, coming out yeah. every holiday, doing all these kind of things. And you could see there was no media capturing what we do. Yeah. All you'd hear all the time from growing up is bad news. So being a musician and doing all these kind of things and seeing the talent that was in our community, that's when I thought, do you know what? I'm going to pick up the camera. Because <laughs> if no one's doing it for you... Do it for yourself. Do it for yourself. Marcus Garvey. Yeah. <laughs> but that's almost, like, that's almost like a signature of so many of us in Bristol uh, from a few years back is, listen, no one's going to do it for us. No. So we need to do it ourselves. And it means that you've got to learn new skills and do all sorts of stuff. Exactly. So we were talking about you and Bristol. Um, I'm not a Bristol boy. I came here when I was 13, but I'm an old man, so I've been here a long time. Okay. You know, you know, uh, what, 40, 41 years. Ooh. Do your maths, everyone. So <laughs> I remember so much about you, and I always remember people saying, this guy's a pioneer, uh, some of the footage that, that you used to get. But I always had the impression that whether it was the BBC or whoever it was, other people would like want to use your footage, lead you along, because they never had any, they didn't have a finger in, they didn't have any uh, entry into into our black communities. So they would use people like you and then take all the credit. Have I, I, I got the wrong impression? And that's the impression I got, because really, your name... Your name's out there with us, but it should be out there in, in mainstream from all the people that have jumped on your back and, and used your your talents and expertise. Well, one time I, I would have been polite and careful what I said. Yeah. But um, Say what you want. You're spot on. Okay. And um, it happens in most communities and places like what, what we go through. Because when you have somebody who who's got a natural born talent hmm. I'm not saying that I just know it is it's yeah. just what it's been and it's right across the board you have um, like there's a tune or somebody said to me uh, community or artistic vampires yeah. you know and um, I can remember writing a script once just because I saw certain things so I decided to write a script myself and it was based on religion because mm. that's what I come through from my parents sure. and I gave it to this one person and they were involved with the BBC as well yeah. and I said can you have a look at that for me and see what you think by the time it came back their name was on it mm. and this is what we go through and then you also have and it's sad within communities like poor communities or people you know not well to do yeah there's that syndrome of crab in the barrel, we call it, from right. the West Indies. And explain what you mean by that for those. A crab people. in the barrel. So some people don't want, it's not that they don't want to see you rise. It's not about jealousy. Mm. But because you're that close to them and they feel suppressed anyway, as, as a nation of people through what we yeah. go through, you feel suppressed and downtrodden. So to see somebody rising or moving away, it's like, oh my gosh. So they will do things to stop you. Mm. Then you've got those now who will come to our community. Yeah. As you know, they will come. It, and this is yeah. right across the board, any color, any, any nationality. They come, they're in, in the community. And when they see somebody who has talent or has 
a way that can earn them money, they will sit with you and they will speak to you and they will yeah. jump on everything you're doing. Yeah. And it's like what I did said in my documentary Street Level, once they know how to fill out the forms, they know how to fill out the forms, they know the people in the council, yeah. they know who can give them the funding, yeah. they have their friends in there, they will use your ideas. Yeah. I've had people from a so say, um, TV company already that's gone into St. Paul's mm. and gone into certain areas and gone to certain people. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, Clive. Clive's my friend. Clive sent me here. And before you know it, yeah. because they use that name, it's like somebody come to you, you're yeah. going to take the credibility of me and yep. you're going to take, oh, yeah, and you show them now and talk to them about all your ideas or whatever mm. it is. The next thing you know, there's a project out there which is your idea, but you're not part mm. of it. And community vampires, and we have yeah. we have these kind of What do we of call things, them? Yeah, know? community, yeah, culture, vulture, all that. Culture, yeah, yeah, it's there. You know, the sad thing about that as well, because if you look at these gatekeepers, they're here. Yeah. And... They're listening. T- take the wages away. Take that income away. Mm-hmm. They will never stay in the community. No, absolutely. And what it is with people like myself, and mm. you're, there's people around who have talent in, our, in Bristol, and I'm telling you, serious talent. And they, their family are so entrenched within the community. Yeah. It's, you're talking four or five generations, your yeah. children. So you can't look down or misuse or you know your your community and the people because it's going to fall onto the children your grandchildren but yeah. these people whether they're black white asian whatever it is they come into our community mm. and they vamp they're vampires they they, yeah. they become they know their way and they become the gatekeepers yeah, and you and once they've made their money they are yeah. gone and we the people are still here yeah and and it looks talking about the same problems that we were 25 years ago and it looks bad because then you've yeah. got another generation looking around and said oh they're always complaining in saint paul's yeah. they're always complaining in eastern but what they're not seeing is the, the the root of the problem, which is the people who come in, whether it's from London or yeah. Birmingham or wherever it is, and they come and they feed, and then you got those who are here yeah. will help them because they know no better. Yeah. Do you feel you don't sound like you feel bitter anymore? I went through a stage maybe about five or six years ago. I would be quite resentful. I'd look at these, and then do you know what I think? I'm still here doing what I'm doing. Every time I open my mouth on a radio, someone's going, "What's he going to say?" You know, is he going to call me out? And so n- none of these people worry me anymore. Um, they used to. They used to make me feel upset and I would feel upset for others. I would all, all sometimes I'd feel upset for my wife because I knew that people would held, had deliberately held Sherry back. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I think to myself, you know what? Don't be angry. Just get on with your life because that kind of stuff consumes you, doesn't it? it makes and, you, it makes and you, you know, you're saying something because that's what I was going to mention, somebody like Sherry, where we're coming from, through the martial arts as well. Yeah. And when she started doing the, the deaf thing. Yeah, the sign thing. language, yeah. Now, you see, when I started as is TV, just going out there, doing my thing, I can remember, and I even said to her, even doing this documentary, I said, Sherry, you don't know the importance and that role you played in my life as one of those people who always encouraged me and she said Clive you need to do your own thing and create your own films and yeah. your own festival and things like that and this film is part of the start mm. because I've had so much I've done so much footage over the last since 2000 yeah and a lot of people are thinking oh what's he doing with this what's he doing with that what's he doing with that but 
you've got to go through these things because the footage that I've got is very important to my community, yeah. our community throughout yeah. England. It's not something you can just give away to people because people trust you with the information and what they're speaking to you about. Yeah. So I have got to look at, even with this mental health film, it's personal to the people of Bristol, especially because yeah. they're families and all these things. So I've had to look at it carefully, what they're speaking about, and put it together exactly how, in the way how I filmed it, yeah. keeping it real. Yeah. And you got, and, to, that's, and, you know, and that's showing respect, isn't it, to is, yeah. to those that, that have entrusted you exactly. with, with their thoughts on on film, yep, as well. So it's called the Windrush Journey uh, of Mental Health: uh, the personal accounts of African Caribbean people living in Bristol who've experienced the many sides of the mental health system. Uh, mm. It's happening tonight. Uh, we know it's sold out. Um, I knew it would be literally from where, as soon as I saw this flyer. For our Smithy, everyone's going to want to go. Even some of those people that we're talking about, <laughs> they'll, they'll be there, right? Mm -hmm. For for whatever their reasons, or maybe to take some notes and uh, you know make one exactly the same or something. I don't know <laughs> to get a few to network. Why are you in my brain? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but they will be there. But that's good because you know what? You can look at them and say, "Look what I've done." It moves, yeah. Uh, look what I've done. So you can go and copy all all that you want. You know, it's a bit like people trying to make copy like Snidey Nikes and all the other bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. yeah. They ain't Nikes, are they? Yep. Um, I guess. So tell us what we can expect, and then I'll open it up uh, for questions from people as well. Can, what, what can we expect if we're lucky enough to be able to get there? Yeah. What you can expect is it's real. Mm -hmm. This is real people who we've grown with, known for 40, 50 years. You expect pain, you expect the reality. This is a deep thing, and. Um, it's difficult for me to speak because it's very hurtful. Yeah. But at the same time, it's something that the community needs to see because we don't know what's going on. The community of the African Caribbean or African yeah. people from the Caribbeans yeah. need to take all, be accountable and take a sense of responsibility for it as well. Sure. A lot of it is based on what we have gone through and what many of our youngsters are going through now. And when you look back at 50 years ago, or Windrush time, when a lot of our parents came here, mental health wasn't so rife. Hmm. Then it started the stop and search, as you know. Me coming out of school, the next thing you know, you're seeing a lot of our young men in mental health through the prison system. Yeah. Then now we've gone up, gone up, gone up, gone up, and we're getting youngsters now, and it, t it shows you, you will see this in there. This is the first part of the film. Youngsters now ending up in mental health from a different reason yeah. from how we, or a lot of our younger generation back in the 50s, 60s, yeah. ending up in mental health. Now they're ending up in mental health for different reasons, but the principles of what's going on, the, the main thing is still based around a sense of racism yeah. that a lot of people don't see and also a sense of not understanding who we are. And that's why I've it's stuck the actual title and what I concentrate on is the wind rush. Yeah. So it identifies a set of people and keep it there because the minute you start mixing it with other things, we, that's not saying we're not interested in mental health 
right across yeah. the board because mental health or depression or all these things affects everybody but well it's like the black lives matter no yeah. all lives matter thing. Yeah. no 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 no. hang on let's talk yeah. about black let's, lives let's right now climb it all together with everything and yeah, then i get that it gets missed I so get that's that. what i'm saying we've got to stick to the win rush journey understand that template and everything that mm. we've gone through so the people who are working yeah. within that industry they can understand your culture they can understand your spirituality mm. it's not there no, I get that. And we have to do this. Roma, can I, can I ask you, um, sometimes it's, it's difficult. I mean, I get texts in, I get people say, oh, Pat, you're always on about race again. You're on about racism. You're on about so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And only I can live my, my life and my story, and only I can explain it, as Clive was saying, in terms of Windrush as well. Um, is it difficult sometimes for, for everyone in the community to understand why this is so, in, films like this are so important to a particular community to tell their story but then maybe for people like yourself who will have experienced issues of mental health but not being someone from an African Caribbean background yeah it is difficult and one of the things that I think is some people have got a vested interest in prolonging the mental health thing and you know it is a big industry and it could be sorted I think really you know from a very young age children from all backgrounds need to be aware that they are not you can't say responsible for their own mental health but as they come up they should be able to see role models they should think that's me they shouldn't actually need to wait until they are older and then have to have remedial almost remedial treatment as it is Mm -hmm. because as they're growing up they should expect the best do you think as well is that the way, I mean, I see this all of the time, right? I, I, I'll see the way that, um, let, let, let's take uh, women. So a white woman who's having a rare up in the shop because this top is, you know, she wants a refund on it, all right? So normally the staff would say, look, madam, I'm really sorry. And that security ain't nowhere near. A black woman who decides to be assertive in the shop for exactly the same problem, buttons press, security left and right. And sometimes, and I've known cases where actually black women have been sectioned. They are so vexed, et cetera, et cetera. And you think, hang on a minute. How has this, how has this, per, how has this gone from going to the shop to change something to getting so angry that you feel that someone's taking the pee out of you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're so vexed. They don't understand. Bang, police section and the Mental Health Act. And five <laughs> weeks later, we're giggling, but it's, it happens. It's like you've seen the film. Mm. Yeah, uh, I've it, seen It's in there. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I haven't seen that. A woman. Really? Who was arrested for that. Wow. It's in there. Yeah. And it's through kind of like extended family experience that I say that. Mm. But do you see the kind of the the frustration sometimes of things like that? I do. And I think that everybody should expect the best for themselves. It's almost as though it's a confidence thing. Yeah. Because the black woman, the white woman, equally entitled. But somehow, you know sometimes people are on the back foot and they really shouldn't be they're as entitled as everybody else yeah. and everything that happens is in its own bubble you can't predict what will happen when you take your top back because it's happened to somebody else yeah. but you know what mm-hmm. speaking to, to, to my kids for example we try and predict 
and we've said this before so when we go to the local Texaco or garage or the mm. SO garage and we're looking oh should I have this honey or not we are conscious because our kids are of colour mm. that they have to put it back on the shelf to ensure <laughs> that the security guard sees that they have put it back on the shelf and have their hand nowhere near their pocket even though their phone and their tissue is in there mm-hmm. just in case a security guard follows them so actually we're already in the situation where we know that we are going to be treated differently and that's the saddest bit and you know the sadder bit to that is when it's your own color who's the security i was gonna do that a bit and i thought and it's the black guy that's the security guard yeah yeah. the black guy is the security guard and then you have the other side where the tick in the boxes yeah and that's why if, if you see when i'm dealing with windrush yeah you have other people who have come to this country who are of the same you as me yeah from a different country even from the same country of the caribbean they yeah. will come here but the time that they've come here is when we we're we as the template we've gone through that so they come in from a different from perspective. a different place so yeah. when they're now working in that field mm. they don't they're looking at us with the same mentality yeah. as the englishman the white englishman now i get you they're looking at their own and will yeah. carry out the same act on you so yeah. that's why i'm saying there's a lot of things need to be addressed and on the note that you were speaking about sorry your name roma roma, roma what you were saying about the money this is a big business the mental health business is a big business and there's a lot of people involved and to, for for us as african caribbean people or whatever it was to step in and be a go-between and have an organization which is there how much people would be out of pocket yeah. so there, there there is a do you want to yeah. stay, stay away? Stay away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that as well. And then you also have organizations like that will come amongst black organizations only for ideas yes. and go away and they practice it and not bring in anybody from our community or our culture. Mm. And then somebody said to me as well the other day, you, some white people would say, well, we're giving them culture. So they give them a Bob Marley poster. <laughs> No. Smoking a spliff in their room. That's dreadful. And to them, that is culture. But yeah. And what I'm saying is ne- not necessarily their fault. How would they know what culture is to a, a Jamaican person, for instance? If you deal with somebody, for, especially from the Caribbean, Jamaican, that we have a culture where there's um, Christianity, Rastafari. We've got people who's gone into Islam now. Now, we're all Jamaicans. But how can you identify which one of these, which one of these cultures or which one of these things these people take on? It's all part of regarding people as patients, in yes. which case everything is done to you and not accepting yes, right. the two-way thing. Mm. That's right, the two-way thing. Yeah. You know, you see somebody now come from the church and she's jumping in the spirit. This used to happen back in the 50, 60s and 70s. Yeah. You know about the spirit. They, they call yeah. it the Holy Ghost and they're yeah. speaking in tongues and all that. Many years ago, the white population would look at them and say they were mad. And many of them have ended up in mental health Absolutely. because police have come yeah. and have taken them because they're actually speaking in tongues and they're in the spirit. You've seen it on an airplane thing on YouTube yeah. recently. And they think you're mad. Yeah. Bam, you're injected, you're in prison. Yeah. Because they have no understanding of your culture, your identity, your spiritual 
thing, you know? And these are the things we need to yeah. have a go between because it can only make the world better. Clive, yes. there, 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 there are two words, and I, I, I said them, cultural competence. All right, they're buzzwords right now. But actually, they go right across all of the awareness and, and, and diversity training that you could ever have. Cultural competence its so important. Mm-hmm. Because if that joker of a police uh, person that, that saw Judah uh, and wanted to know who it was and mistook him for somebody uh, that looked so unlike him and then got a taser out, if she had cultural competence... And she actually understood what it's like to talk to a man with a Caribbean accent that might sound aggressive that isn't. Or she might be talking to a South Indian group of yeah. people who shout mm. and people think they're going to fight, but they're just asking how each other's children and wives and whatever. Uh, if she had cultural competence, mm-hmm. that incident would never have it's happened. unlikely that it right? would have happened. And if doctors, if nurses... Uh, if, if so many other people had, and it works always, mm-hmm. you know, it works from an African nurse having cultural competence about a Noah West uh, white lady understanding yes. why she, you know, right, mate, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But we don't have that, and that's not trained. That's one thing I was going to mention. And the other thing is that you said earlier that it's painful to talk about some of the stories uh, in the Windrush journey of mental health, and and I'm realizing that as I'm getting older. And I don't know whether it's a positive or a negative. Is it a weakness or is it a strength? That actually, I'm feeling, when I listen to stories, I become more visibly and inside upset. Uh, whether they're my stories or they're stories of a brother or sister or somebody that, that I know. I'm feeling so angry and I'm feeling sad about these stories because mm-hmm. I recognize a connection to me and I recognize that it's happened to me. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, it's kind of like you giggle and you dismiss yeah, it and exactly. it doesn't seem to affect you. And is mm-hmm. it... As we get older, that we become more sensitive um, to, to stories like this. And as I say, I don't know if it's a negative or a positive. That's, that's part of it. As we do get older, it is. But even when you're young, if you see it and it's being explained to you and it's understood, you can understand it. Yeah. But the day, for me, it's painful, as I say, because I've got nearly 4,000 tapes, as you know, yeah. not just the R drive stuff, sure. of that journey of the wind rush and us as a people going out there with my camera being stopped by the police being this being, you know the whole thing but it also saved me and that's how i the way i put this documentary together yeah. keeping it real is not to separate and segregate people and deal on the anger and the pain is to be able to look at this thing hear what is being said by the people who've gone through it and many have died hmm. and it becomes an educational tool on both sides and this is really it's about we balance learn. it's an educational tool because it identifies we the template where it started from and what happened to people i like you see judah yeah. and many people what's happened to men how they ended up in jail yeah. how they ended up in mental health yeah. so that's an educational thing for the the parent how did your child or how did somebody close to you ended up in mental health because you have no understanding what mental health is and you've you got people around you going through this pain and got no one to speak to then you've got also the authorities they need to take this kind of film on and look at it and how, c- how it can be used from as an educational tool and if i had my own way yeah. trust me pat it's not about money Yes, I want a living. I don't want to be comfortable. Yeah. If I could get the, the biggest cinema 
in Bristol and everybody going there free to watch it, yeah. that would be... Do you understand what I'm saying? Because how I did my first film years yeah. ago. So you go in there yeah. and you get to see and understand it, but using it wisely. Hmm. I think that's so important, Clive. And, and you've answered so many more of my questions about what, what do you want to happen to this? Um, and you've answered that actually, you know, people need to learn from it. And, and for you, is it as important that everybody gets to see this? Because of course, without that understanding, so you don't have to be from those communities. If you're from those communities, maybe it's more painful. Mm -hmm. But actually, doesn't everyone need to be able to see this so that they can at least gain the seeds of wanting to develop a perspective of, 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 of an experience that many people have just never been able to understand? Everything that I'm working on, everything that I have filmed, this country, people in the Caribbeans, people in Africa, needs to see and understand the journey of the Windrush generation because it's, it's a journey that's being pushed aside. You can even see what's happening now with recently how they're sending people home yeah. and people can't even prove who they are. There's people in this country who's my age who've never traveled, don't, never even thought of traveling, but yeah. they just see themselves as English. And now they're realizing what their parents have gone through. All they don't even know about Jamaica. They're not even interested in the, all sure. these things. They just see themselves as British English. Yeah. And now they have been put into a position. And all of this, my films, the journeys, the entertainment, the, the, you know, the blues, yeah. the youth centers, which community centers where people if they if you never had some places like the blues is a lot of us wouldn't have been here over our children yeah. because there was nowhere for a lot of our parents to go yeah. and people put their neck on the line just like me people put their neck on the line to open up their doors and here i am come in this house and come and be entertained come and get food where you can't get it nowhere else yeah. and a system has looked down disregarded the Windrush journey and the contributions we have done to Britain and the media from the BBC right down have disrespected us as a people worldwide. So you've got Europeans in Europe look down on us because their news has come from the BBC. You've got all these organizations don't know nothing about us and what we've contributed to Britain. And it needs to be recognized and things need to be put in place. Clive, mm. as I cough, I, I, I've normally got words, but I haven't. I haven't got words for what you're saying because I can't disagree and I can't even cross-examine because you've been through it all. You need to come back on the, on the show, definitely. And uh, those that are lucky enough to have tickets <laughs> to watch uh, The Windrush Journey of Mental Health uh, today, you are very lucky, but we'll make sure that we get it shown. Uh, maybe in Watershed and bigger cinemas as well. It's important, I think. It has to be done. What will be done, the spirits will make it happen. Mm. Clive, I'm going to get some water. Thank you so much for coming. Can we have a round of applause, Clive Smith, yeah. please? Thank Legend. Headlight, I can't sleep. I toss and turn. Candlesticks in the dark. Visions of bodies being burned.